Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on February 12th, 2021 from James Island. I'm back in my little closet recording studio. Shh. I'm taping. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This podcast cuts through the noise and gives you South Carolina-specific COVID-19 news and stories. This episode features a lot. (laughs) We hear the latest from Superintendent Molly Spearman about teachers and vaccines, as well as vaccine plans for staff and additional education funding. We have a recap of Statehouse activity for the week, and we look into the latest unemployment claims data. We also have updates for you from the CDC that experts will elaborate on, including dosing schedules, double masking, and more. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your daily life in these uncertain times. Leave us a one, two, three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to Department of Health and Environmental Control data. There have been 7,057 confirmed deaths, and currently there are 421,876 confirmed cases being reported in all 46 counties as of February 13th at 4 p.m. Yes, you heard me right. We're over 7,000 confirmed deaths, folks. Our percent positive is 8.9%, but of course, as we know, this number has been changed. The formula has been changed in calculating that. And 1,375 patients are currently hospitalized with COVID-19. 310 are in intensive care and 174 are on ventilators. This is the first time we've been under 200 patients on ventilators in more than 30 days. So encouraging news right there. Some not so encouraging news? According to the weekly White House Coronavirus Task Force report for the state, South Carolina is number one in the country for new cases per 100,000. This is happening between January 30th and February 5th. We are number six for new deaths per 100,000 for the same time period. But some good news. The number of weekly COVID-19 hospital admissions has fallen to just over 2,000, a level we haven't seen since early December. Now, I know what you're going to say, Gavin, you can't possibly be talking about education again. Well, (laughs) you are. (laughs) It's so important. We got to talk about this because it is the news of the minute. And we're talking about what State Superintendent of Education Molly Spearman discussed with reporters on Friday. She talked about a multitude of issues, including the teacher vaccine debate, new additional federal funding, and how the vaccine rollout would work. But first, here's an update from Spearman on where schools stand in their instruction now, more than a week after her press conference with the governor. Currently, 682, 682 of our 1,266 public schools, 682 of 1,266 are operating five days a week, face-to-face for all students. 553 are in a hybrid operation ranging from two to four days a week, and we have 31 schools that are fully virtual, 31 schools that are fully virtual. Next week, we know that Calhoun County and Lee County schools, who are our only two districts who have not offered face-to-face instruction this year at all, will implement face-to-face hybrid instruction 
with students coming back some, some days. Additionally, following last week's press conference, we have begun to receive reopening plans and we have communications from districts who will be implementing full five-day face-to-face options in the coming weeks. These plans often require the district to seek approval from their local school board, and that can add a few days or slow down the process a bit. But we're anticipating uh, several districts to begin five days a week for all students in the next few weeks. So a lot of numbers there, but let's recap that. There are 1,266 schools, 682 are operating five days a week, 553 are in hybrid operation, and 31 are fully virtual. And now Calhoun and Lee County schools will soon implement face-to-face hybrid instruction for the first time. These moves are happening now, but the debate over pushing teachers into Phase 1A continues at the Statehouse, with a House and Senate bill set to be debated in a House subcommittee on Tuesday. The Senate bill would no longer put teachers in front of older South Carolinians. Rather, it has been amended to read more like the House bill, which puts teachers in the new phase and then sets a time for schools to return face-to-face. Here, Spearman starts discussing part of the Senate bill. It requires five days face-to-face instruction after schools return from spring break, which would vary from district to district. The House resolution also calls for educators to be eligible to be vaccinated in 1A, but it does not set a time frame for vaccination. It also requires five-day face-to-face option to be implemented within 28 days of passing. To be clear, I stand by the letter that I sent to Governor McMaster and the director of DHEC on January the 12th. I support that teachers and educators be given priority in the vaccination immediately. While vaccination is not a prerequisite for opening schools, and I've been very clear about that, the evidence stands behind us that schools can operate safely, receiving the vaccine is critical for keeping schools open and staffed appropriately. Guidance from the CDC issued this week is very, very important. It says that once vaccinated, there is no need for individuals to quarantine. This changes the game for for schools trying to stay open. This alone gives us reason to move educators and staff to 1A. The reason it's such a big deal that a person no longer has to quarantine, Spearman says, is because so many teachers have been taken out for days due to COVID exposures. As for the vaccine rollout in schools, Spearman says every school district has been matched with a provider in their area. Now there is one of four ways that vaccine will be administered in a district. First, vaccine providers handle everything. They set up the vaccine event with all the vaccine provider staff at the schools or at a vaccine provider location, their office, hospital, pharmacy, whatever. Secondly, there may be an option where the vaccine provider and the district conduct a vaccine event together, where the provider provides the vaccines with the proper storage and manpower while the district staff is used for everything from documenting those receiving the shots, monitoring the persons for side effects, etc. Thirdly, the vaccine provider provides the vaccine only and the school nurses and other personnel 
vaccinate staff. So there are nurses who have been trained and will have a doctor's order to cover them so that they can assist with giving the vaccine. And finally, the vaccine provider helps coordinate several small districts to come together at a centralized community center or location and the vaccine provider provides the vaccine with or without district staff assisting. From our survey that we did a few weeks ago, at that time, we know that there are 122,876 educators, 122,876 educators and staff in South Carolina. The average age of a certified educator in South Carolina is 43 years old and four months. 70,973 educators and staff, 70,973 have indicated they will get vaccinated when it is offered to them. Additionally, private schools estimate, and we must take care of those staff members as well, that they have 15,000 staff and around 8,000 of them will take the vaccine once it's offered to them. Spearman said schools will be ready to go when teachers are put into phase 1A, whenever that is. Now, granted, some school districts are massive compared to others, and that will be why there are several different ways for the plans to take shape. And schools are also receiving additional emergency relief funds from the last stimulus bill. School districts will receive $846.3 million to use for spending on a variety of needs and services, with the addition of categories to address learning loss, complete facility repairs, and improving air quality. So a lot of ways they can spend that additional federal money. So a lot right there, but great info for you as we head into next week and watch H3858 and S516. These are the bills that will be debated, and the latter of which will probably be amended further and become the vehicle for teacher vaccines since it's already passed the Senate and would just need their approval after it passes the House, whenever that will be. So we'll be watching that along with everything else going on at the State House for you. <laughs> no music there. We got to tell you what happened at the State House this week. You know? You know what did? A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things happened. A lot of things happened. An easy way to stay up to date, though, is to catch Twisk 60 every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 5:59 p.m. on SCETV and on our socials. But without further ado, let me tell you what happened. The $208 million House-approved vaccine relief bill has now passed the Senate. Senators removed the Regional Vaccine Advisory Committees from the bill, which sends funding to DHEC, MUSC, and other providers to assist with vaccine rollout costs. The bill would require DHEC to send vaccine, which has not already been set for distribution, to the four DHEC public health regions in a per capita manner, with considerations taken into account for factors including, but not limited to, poverty level, infection rates, age, and high-risk populations. Now, this bill, if it's approved, would usurp any plan from DHEC, which still hasn't fully implemented one from their board. The House needs to approve or reconcile the Senate changes. So we'll see what happens there, if there's any back and forth. And like I said a minute ago, we saw two bills putting teachers into Phase 1A, and we'll get more clarity next week on where those are going and the details about those bills. Now, I'm guessing here, merely merely guessing, that before either of these bills get passed, or whichever one gets passed, that the governor will come out and say... Teachers are in phase 1A, and it won't be because lawmakers, but because enough older South Carolinians will have already signed up like he wanted at that point. But this is just me guessing. Uh, Don't hold me to it. (laughs) We'll we'll let you know. (laughs) 
The Senate approved S-1, also known as the fetal heartbeat bill, cleared the House Judiciary Committee and is expected to be debated on Wednesday. We saw the so-called open carry with training bill move to the full House Judiciary Committee as well, despite some reservations by law enforcement about folks openly carrying guns, even with training. A Senate bill which exempts employers who follow COVID-19 guidelines from being sued has also advanced to the Senate floor. And we saw the House approved $50 million bill for teacher step increases for this current fiscal year move forward in the Senate as well. So much activity there, folks, but that's what we're here for. Now there's the music. got a quick little business section for you here. Unemployment claims in the state ticked up, and when you factor in the continued claims by South Carolinians for state and federal unemployment assistance, we're back above 200,000 combined claims. That's thanks to Andy Brown with the Post and Courier. He loves those numbers, he tracks those numbers, and we appreciate him for that. And we'll find out next month what January's unemployment rate will be. It will likely continue to increase like the trends we've been seeing over the past two months, all of which center around the new stimulus bill, which replenished federal unemployment assistance programs through March 13th. Now, currently, House Democrats want to boost weekly unemployment benefits by $100 to $400 and continue the program through August. CNBC reports that nationally, 39.5% of people out of work report being unemployed for more than six months. So that's a long-term unemployed right there. The last week of January marked the 46th straight week where more than 1 million people filed for unemployment for the first time, either for state aid or pandemic unemployment assistance, which supports the freelancers, gig workers, and those not traditionally eligible for benefits. Now, to throw a bone in all this unemployment talk, the real unemployment rate in the United States is closer to 10%, according to Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell. He said this on Wednesday after misclassification errors are factored in to the official government figure. So this is much higher than the current rate of 6.3% reported by the Bureau of Labor Statistics last week. Numbers. (laughs) Now here's a quick minute-long recap of some of Powell's remarks on a Zoom he had with the New York Economic Club. A strong labor market that is sustained for an extended period can deliver substantial economic and social benefits, including higher employment and income levels, improved and expanded job opportunities, narrower economic disparities, and healing of the entrenched damage inflicted by past recessions on individuals' economic and personal well-being. At present, we are a long way from such a labor market. Fully realizing the benefits of a strong labor market will take continued support from both near-term policy and longer-run investments so that all those seeking jobs have the skills and opportunities that will enable them to contribute to and share in the benefits of prosperity. Experience tells us that getting to and staying at full employment will not be easy. In the near term, policies that bring the pandemic to an end as soon as possible are paramount. Scintillating Zoom call right there, folks. Always interesting to hear that 30,000 foot view from Fed Chair Powell.
double your mask, double your fun. At least that's what the CDC is saying. Okay, well, not technically, but I was on a Johns Hopkins weekly Friday briefing. And of course, this week, we're talking about double masking. Or if you're wearing a surgical mask, looping it so it's a little bit snugger on your face. And this is all because of new CDC guidance. Johns Hopkins doctor Brian Garibaldi starts off by talking about double masking recommendations. So there was work that was done by the CDC and other groups that have shown that if you wear just a single surgical mask and and you put it on your face and you cough, that blocks about 40% of the particles that come out. But if you either use the the loop tie or a double mask with a cloth mask over a surgical mask, you, you block a much higher percentage of those particles. But they've even shown that, you know, they've, they've done these really great experiments where there'll be a, a, a head that can cough particles about the size of the droplets that we think spread coronavirus. And then another head that can detect those particles in a sealed room. And they've shown that if you put the mask over just the person who's coughing, you protect a little bit the person who is in the room with you. But if both of them are wearing the mask, particularly if they're wearing either the loop fitted mask or the double mask, you can block about 90 to 95 percent of those particles from getting to that receiver. So I think what this this research really shows is that everybody needs to wear a mask when we're indoors. And once we get to the point where now most people hopefully are wearing masks, if you double those masks, Uh, or have a tight-fitting, well-sealed mask, you're going to be much more protected, particularly if you're in in an enclosed space. And the reason this is important is we've heard about these variants that are now spreading throughout the world and have been detected here in the United States. There's one from the UK that we've heard a lot about. There's one from Brazil. There's one from South Africa. There's one that's been described out in California. And we're still learning about what these variants mean, but For some of them, there's emerging evidence that they can spread more easily. And so wearing a mask that's tight fitted uh, or even double masking is going to protect you and those around you from these variants that can probably spread more easily, particularly during the winter when we're indoors. Um, And I think it's really important to to keep that in mind. You know, we're we're now seeing for the first time in, in many, many months, we're starting to see cases go down. We're starting to see hospitalizations go down across the country. And we're finally starting to hopefully see deaths go down. Um, but we could take a step backward if these variants are uh, continuing to spread and if people aren't really making sure that they're protecting themselves and those around them, we could see a resurgence in the virus. So, so I think this is an important reminder that you got to wear a mask, but you also want to make sure that you're wearing a mask that fits well. Mask it up, people. Yes, there you go. You heard the claps. Put your mask on. So now we heard about that guidance for those who are vaccinating, not needing to quarantine if they're exposed to COVID-19. But then why do you still have to wear a mask then if you've received the vaccine? Hmm. Well, Dr. Bill Moss, who's the director of International Vaccine Access Center at Johns Hopkins, explains. The reason is that, uh, one, the vaccine are are not 100 percent effective. Um, People can still get infected and still get mild disease. And although we're still learning about how much these vaccines prevent transmission, um, they almost certainly don't completely protect uh, or prevent transmission. Uh, And we know that just because some individuals are are getting uh, mild disease. So I would say, you know, and 
in, in, as long as we have very high levels of community transmission that we still have in the United States, um, people should be masking even if they've received two doses. Now, the big news this week was that the CDC did issue guidance on quarantine in those individuals who've received two doses uh, of the vaccine, and it's been at least two weeks uh, after that second dose. That's how long it takes for the immune response to develop. Those individuals do not have to quarantine as long as they remain asymptomatic. Um, so we're beginning to see some relaxation of some of the stricter public health measures in individuals who've received two doses. But until, as long as community transmission is still high, we still, even those who receive two doses need to mask. There you go, folks. Take this news to the bank because guess what? In South Carolina, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained. So keep those masks on even if you have the vaccine. Lucky. Now, I know I'm going to admit here I've been slipping a little bit and I've been pushing my luck, but I'm still negative. But we all need to do better, including myself. So double that mask. Next up, we know, of course, that demand continues to outstrip supply for the vaccine. Challenges increased this week due to shipping issues from suppliers. Dr. Saria Sakashio, the Ambulatory Chief Medical Officer and co-lead of Prisma Health Vaccine Task Force, gave this update on what the hospital system saw this past week. Because of the severe limitations we've experienced, we received public health agency support. However, in addition to the huge community demand of those eligible to be vaccinated, Prisma Health's vaccine supply continues to be extremely low. This week, we've been administering approximately 4,800 to 6,000 doses a day, dependent upon vaccine availability. For this week, we requested 58,500 doses, and we were confirmed to receive only 37,050 doses for the week. However, so far this week, we've actually received only 17,550 of those doses. So again, only about half of those vaccines have actually arrived on our vaccination sites to deliver those shots in arms. We're hearing that our vaccine may be delayed due to inclement weather, so we're keeping a close eye on that. We do have the capacity to administer 10,000 doses a day in our system. We just need the vaccine supply. Total doses administered at Prisma Health is now more than 141,000 doses as of yesterday, February 10th. The increased demand continues to far exceed our supply of vaccine. Planning continues to be extremely difficult, especially considering that we're trying to meet the needs of those with scheduled appointments. Please remember the situation is not unique to Prisma Health nor to South Carolina. This is a national issue. There's just much more demand for the vaccine than the current supply that has been provided. Because of the limited supply and increased demand, we continue to not be able to provide any first dose walk-in appointments at this time due to this low low vaccine availability. We know that many people prefer the ability to walk in and we're evaluating options that might allow walk-ins in the future. But as of today, we continue to not be able to offer first dose walk-ins. Now, I was told there were cars stretching down Bluff Road into the Olympia neighborhood from Gamecock Park this week. That's one of their big vaccine sites. Now, remember, you need scheduled appointments for Prisma and other providers. You can find out more details and where to find these providers at scdhack.gov slash vaxlocator. 
Or you can also call DHEC at 1-866-365-8110. And state epidemiologist Dr. Linda Bell discussed the extended timeline for folks to get their second dose per new CDC guidance. This comes as disruptions in the vaccine supply chain delayed deliveries to providers this week. However, all those doses have been received, according to Bell. There are concerns about delays next week as well due to severe winter weather. But if your second dose does get delayed, have no fear. It's also important to note that for those providers who did have to reschedule some of their second shot appointments because of shipping delays, while it is recommended for individuals to get the second shot of a Pfizer vaccine as close to 21 days after the first shot and the second dose of a Moderna uh, vaccine as close to 28 days later. The CDC has given us information that it is okay for the second shot to be delayed past that recommended time frame. There's really no maximum time frame between the first and second shots for either vaccine. We have um, minimum intervals, but there is no maximum interval. And the CDC recommends getting the, the second shot within six weeks or within 42 days after the first shot of either Pfizer or Moderna. However, it can be given at any time after the um, minimum interval of the first dose. And individuals do not have to restart the series if their appointment for the second dose goes beyond that recommended interval. So words of wisdom right there from Dr. Bell, that the second dose can stretch out longer than those minimal deadlines, okay? So nothing to worry about there. So again, you don't need to restart the series of shots if you take longer to get your second dose. Also, Dr. Bell mentioned that for the third week in a row, the state was ranked fifth for how quickly it is administering doses that it's received. This according to National Becker's Hospital Review, which relies on CDC data. And as we near the two-month anniversary of receiving our first shipment of vaccine, the state is approaching its one millionth dose received. As of Friday, 970,550 doses have been received and 608,498 have been given. Those are good numbers, folks. Good job out there. Keep rolling up your sleeves. Welcome to our wind down section, our little break from the news. Happy Saturday if you're listening on Saturday. What a long week we've had. Every week's long. No big deal there. If you're not listening uh, on Saturday, shame on you. Yeah. Tell us how you're handling things. If you've contracted COVID-19, if you've gotten the first and second dose of the vaccine, that's awesome. Let us know. Or if you're working your way through the system to get to even get an appointment for the first one, let us know. We're very interested here. You can call us. Tell us 803-563-7169. Also, if you're still working through the education system, uh, we want to know how you're doing in school. We are interested about that, too, especially as we keep discussing it every episode. So, 803-563-7169. AT. Yes. We got a voicemail still? We got we, the voicemail we, still? We still got them. We could use some more. Are they still if, growing? If, if yeah, anyone okay. wants to come, do we, don't do don't make it so we have to shame you again. But uh, Yeah, let's just keep a steady current here. <laughs> You know, we can let's easy breezy. Come on, easy breezy. Uh, but yeah, cover we got girl. a first time caller here. Easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. Okay, <laughs> herbal essences. Um, let's listen to this. Is the first time caller. Okay, Ooh, yeah, love it. Okay, roll it. Chippy, roll the clip. He doesn't have thumbs. 
Howdy, Gavin and AT. I'm calling from a farm over at the edge of Aiken County, which is on the border practically in Georgia. We're kind of isolated over here. We get a lot of our news and our entertainment from Georgia. But y'all are our lifeline to our own state and to our capital city, and we thought you'd like to know how COVID has uh, kind of changed things out here in the country. We used to have tour groups and classes, and all that got canceled over the past year. So we have set up some virtual things and a blog and stuff like that uh, to try to to try to share the place. But we stumbled on this very cool option that um, has actually taken our little farm setting out to about 21,000 people on YouTube. We were in a music, or we were the setting for a music video. And if you all remember an old song by the Youngbloods, it goes something like, um, smile on your brother, everybody come together, love one another right now. Y'all can find it. Um, Well, it turns out that the lead singer, Jesse Collins, young, moved to Aiken. And for his new album, which is uh, him playing the guitar and singing his old songs, came out and did one of them called Sugar Babe on the farm. And so we're proud of that, uh, both because it lets us share our place, which we like to do, but also because it has given us some ideas for new income streams out here. Now, we do, honestly, we come to Columbia once a week at least, and on the way we always listen to you 2 We listen to the lead while we're driving Actually, I'm in the passenger seat, and I fall asleep a lot. But AT's voice wakes me up, and when we get to y'all's, y'all's patter about pop culture stuff, a lot of it I don't get. It's, um, you know, I'm a Gen Xer, so a lot of it's a little young for me. But I thought y'all would really like the idea that, you know, a kind of famous crooner, an old rock and roll guy, has moved to Aiken and now calls it home. and I should have said this is Jinx Farmer and Tom Hall out in Aiken and sometimes in Columbia. And listen, we don't have broadband out there, so we're not able to join your upcoming lead happy hour, but we sure wish we could. Y'all keep up the good work, and thanks for keeping us connected. I was going to say, Jinx didn't, didn't say his name there, but I was about to name him at the end there. But thanks for calling Jinx, and hi, Tom. Keep driving, keep driving, keep the car on the road while Jenks falls asleep there. Uh, Jenks is an old friend of mine. I first met him when I was working in Florence, and he, I would say he's, I mean, he's a leading horticulturist in the in the country. So he's not the lead horticulturist, but he's LED, a leading. But he is a lead leading horticulturist. Okay. Um, but you should definitely check out his books, especially if you're into gardening, like we always talk about. You can find a lot of his stuff on jenksfarmer.com. I'm like repping him harder than he repped himself here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're selling a, right here. You're he has a lot of great stuff out there. Absolute corporate Oh, yeah. No. That's what's so good about Jenks is that he's not a corporate shill. Uh, and he also has Lily Farm and Garden Classes. That's the Facebook group. So check that out. A lot of good stuff there. He invites me to a lot of the things and I just, I don't go. I don't have the space that they have to garden at, at will. No. <laughs> It's all small, but he also does a lot of crinum bulbs too. So if you're into crinums, that's I thought, the main I one thought you were going to say crime for a second. I was like, you're crime, really yes. <laughs> <laughs> no rats on the lead, no snitching. 
<laughs> but thanks for calling, guys. Uh, I have nothing to talk about. I'm I'm blanked out for this week. So yeah, please, you've been dead all say week, something, right? Yeah, say something for me that I can uh, I can comment on. Okay. Um, say something uh, controversial, and I can just controversial. Ow. I don't have much <laughs> controversial takes right now. I, I'm not feeling controversial in life. Oh, you're you're in a state I, of I mean, hibernation. I mean, I can say I, happy happy year the ox, Gavin. You know, yes. Yeah, ox cord um but uh (laughs) (laughs) i think that's what it is uh no my one thing that just came to me and i I like to uh embarrass my wife on this podcast and i've told you guys like the dogs in your court before that kind of stuff yes and uh so i was talking to my friends and one of my friends he he delivers concrete and he sent us a on our group chat a picture of a pig and he's like man there's a pig here (laughs) and uh it reminded me of uh when we were still living in jersey caitlin and i we she was looking to get our first cat Yogi and Yogi Yogi, um, <laughs> and uh, he she was looking at this one place in Tinton Falls, New Jersey, and she was just looking at all the cats and the dogs going through on the website, and she kept going back to this cat. She wanted to get the cat, and I was like, "That's fine." So we could go. We were driving. She's still looking at all the animals, and we were driving. She almost made me crash. She goes, "Oh my God, At, look at this!" I was like, "What?" What? She goes, "Look at this dog," and I look at it. And uh, it was so obviously a picture of a pig (laughs) that I almost crashed. I was like, Caitlin, that is a pig. What are you doing? And uh, (laughs) what's going on? I don't know. I mean, my wife, she doesn't know. She doesn't know a pig from a hole in the ground. That, I'm, I'm worried for Kaylin A.T. Like, you know, first it was like the Bart Simpson problem. Bert Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's like seeing the wrong animals. like Pigs and dogs. Yeah. This goes back a long way. She's she's not Dogs well. and cats living she's together. She's not well. Uh, this, is, uh, <laughs> this is a cry for help. I'm going to start a is GoFundMe it? for my wife. Um it's wow. gonna. It's uh, it's just to raise enough money to buy one of those wheels with the arrow that goes around that says this is a cow. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Gavin, this. Gavin, what's what's yes, in your world? Yes. Tell me what's in um, your world. Well, I'm down here in James Island hanging mm. out with the fam. Breaking news. Breaking, breaking news. news. Breaking exclusive. <laughs> Only here first. You heard it this here is first. Exclusive. First. This is exclusive. This is totally like a scooplet. God, I hate mm-hmm. that term. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we just used it. A little pet peeve. Yeah, of course figures for this pod anyway uh, i'm down here hanging with my dad and my stepmom mm-hmm. and so interesting developments with them i think i don't know if i've mentioned this before but this is a j update um, j update he didn't make it on the first of all he didn't make it on the zoom because of technical difficulties which I interesting know, lots of different links he was trying to do it but last time i was down here was right before new year's i left on new year's eve day and mm-hmm. that was after <laughs> My stepmother said that she could no longer taste or smell. I was like, "Great, I've been exposed." Yeah, you know? you're gonna, you're, you're going down. And then I'm like, "Oh God, okay. Well, well this is gonna throw everything into jeopardy because I got the state of the state coming up. Everything would be like delayed. I wouldn't do it." Turns out, uh, they were both negative. So Colleen can't taste or smell, but still tested negative. No antibodies. We found yeah. out later this month, and uh, and then my dad also tested negative, but then has antibodies. So. He did have it. I've tested negative. I just got tested the other day. Nothing coming up for G. And I was tested right after they got it, too. So I was, like, doing it in, in January, making sure I was, like, you know, cool to be around with the crew and all that stuff. Who knows so when he had very it, though, weird. if he has antibodies. Who knows when he had it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but he just, he got signed up for his first vaccine. He's going to CVS. That's he was going to do MUSC. Yeah. That's the big update. He was going to do MUSC later in March, but he found a better appo- appointment for CVS. So, Boom. Bang. Do what do what Jay does, guys. Go to the big pharmacies or the small pharmacies, but Publix. I'm um, very excited about that. 
And then my other, I'm going to be the last one in this family to get a vaccine, apparently, because my twin brother up in D.C. just got his second one. He said it was a little like a hangover, <laughs> the second <laughs> dose. He said it kind of knocked him out. He's a big guy. Uh, and then I think my other brother's getting the second one, too, and my mom's getting her first one. So it's no big deal. I'm still dodging the bullets, apparently. You so. sound uh, very upset about this. Uh, you know, I'm just glad that everyone's getting what they need it's, to do. That's I what mean, it sounds like. Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> no, no well, resentment. They're both, they're both law enforcement, but I'm, I understand Colin. He's a little bit more frontline. Nick is a little bit more of an office law enforcement type. So whatever. He's a desk jockey. But, yeah, a, <laughs> he had to turn in his badge and gun. Okay, well, he never had one. <laughs> I cover financial crimes. When <laughs> nerd numbers nerd. But yeah, just hanging out down here keeping it real keeping it real oh you're Gotta holding it down keeping it real yeah totally no, very just cool relaxing. are you really are you chilling outside. out it's max cold. and relaxing all cool yeah shooting some b-ball am i right am i right up to it was cool but yeah i'm gonna be down here for i think i'll be down here monday too but it's gonna be a great little weekend it's cold it was foggy when i drove in it's just gonna be a week folks so yeah we stick with the lead We'll be with you through this gray little week of ours. It's going to be great for a while, Rainy, too. So it's going to be great. It's going to be gray days for a while, If you folks. need it, re-listen to this episode. I mean, yeah. healing vibes. Healing Reach vibes. Reach out, yes. <laughs> Light and energy. Our crystals have been activated for yes, this week. Yes, I've seen them glow personally. <laughs> I'm charging mine right now. <laughs> It's just like uh, Indiana Jones, Temple of Dune. It's the rocks. We have three of them. Malram! <laughs> You've betrayed Shiva! <laughs> <laughs> uh, my best my favorite thing from that movie is the shot when they get close on him on the bridge and you're just like oh it's just an epic shot of oh it's the coolest guys. with the one arm yeah. out and he flexes yeah. real hard he looks so cool so cool. i mean yeah still want to be indiana jones when i grow up fact the opening of temple of doom is Love the it. best opening when he's it's running behind the gong man. with the bullets mm -hmm. shooting through it the Ooh. 20s i mean the 20s Ooh. were something it was, was so roaring either way yeah. it was so <laughs> roaring <laughs> and i would just like to say if you want a hot take this is a hot take i oh, think oh boy we've been waiting <laughs> i think crystal skull is a good movie and anyone Ugh. that gets upset about the fridge in Crystal Skull needs should to watch a re watch oh, Eraser. <laughs> no, should re watch Temple of Doom. And if they're okay with you jumping out of an airplane with a with an inflatable raft and not a fridge with a nuclear explosion, I mean mm. that's on you. That you didn't want to like the movie. <laughs> spoilers, guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, no spoiler, no Indiana Jones spoilers. Oh, if yeah. you really thought he was going to die jumping out of the plane, I'd like to meet you and I'd like to be your friend. Anyway, be Gavin, different. take it out. It'd be different if there was like padding underneath the uh, you know, underneath the raft when they hit the ground, but you could tell. It's yeah, like if, there was a thin the layer, if there was a yeah. thin layer of padding alive, yeah. I'd have no issues. <laughs> but as is... Oh, no, if it could have bumped, you know, bounced a little bit more, it just hit like, okay. <laughs> and they land on the snow and in like 10 minutes are in an arid jungle. <laughs> Hey, man. Hey, man. What can I say? I don't make the rules here. Spielberg makes the rules. Take it out. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Show us your appreciation by leaving us a voicemail or a review on iTunes. Voicemail 803-563-7169. And you can stay up to date on the latest news on a newly revamped SCETV.org and on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. Also, we got the No Pledge Drive Pledge Drive happening right now for radio. 
Now's the time to give, folks. Give until it feels good. Membership starts at just $40. You get that sweet decal for your car. I have a few of them. Totally pumped to get my next one this month. So become a member. Support all the great PBS programming and NPR programming you hear on the radio. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Every time I put a shirt on, I suffocate for a little bit. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you okay? <sighs> Are you psycho? <laughs> <laughs> Hurry, get his head through the hole. Get your head through the hole, quick! <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs>